comes from the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 28 through 30. Judges 6, starting at verse 28. And Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more, and let me with one blow get revenge on the Flintstones for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, Let me die with the Flintstones. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he was alive. The sermon I chose to read this morning comes from uh, Reverend Stephen Tahart, minister of the Free Reformed Church in Baldvis, Western Australia. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Hebrews 11 begins by saying this in verse 1 and 2. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. From there, Hebrews 11 goes on to describe various people of the Old Testament who are sometimes called the heroes of faith. Those who, verse 39 says, were all commended for their faith. But now we see what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 32 through 34. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and ministered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. When we read this, we might be left scratching our heads and wondering, did the writer of Hebrews ever read the book of Judges? How could all these people be that cloud of witnesses that are encouraging us to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? How could Samson be included in that list? When we have heard and read of Samson, we recognize that he was a judge for 20 years and no doubt did much good for Israel. And the book of Judges makes no attempt to cover up Samson's sin. Samson is shown to be a man who was was enslaved to sexual sin, a man who had a weakness for Philistine women, and a man who had betrayed his birthright, who played with and lost his special office, his calling to be a Nazarite set apart unto God. What is his name doing in Hebrews 11 as one of those men of faith encouraging us to be faithful? Samson was a sinner. Samson did fall and Samson fell heavily. He was one, he whose name means something like sunshine was blinded by the light of life. Samson and sinned and he received the wages of his sin. The darkness came upon Samson and his eyes were gouged out and he was made to grind grain for the enemy. And the worst of this was that the Lord had left him. But the story of Samson does not end there. In the last verses of Judges 16, we learn of God's grace towards Samson. Samson repented of his sin and turned to the Lord, and the Lord heard his prayer. 
The spirit of the Lord came upon Samson once more, and he was restored to his office and calling as a Nazarite, set apart once more to begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And there we see God's grace, not just for Samson, but all of Israel, for all of God's people. Samson was one of those who used, to use the word of Hebrews 11, out of weakness was made strong. And because Samson repented and called upon the name of the Lord in his day of trouble, not only was the Lord pleased to hear his prayer, but the Lord used him in the greater battle, the battle against Dagon, the battle against the devil, to ensure the deliverance of Israel. And so I preached to you the word of the Lord under the following theme and points. The death of Dagon ensures the deliverance for Israel. First, we will see Dagon's demise, and in second place, Israel's deliverance. Dagon's demise. In 1671, the English poet John Milton wrote a poem about the death of Samson. And in this poem, Samson laments and has be what has become of him. Oh, wherefore was my birth from heaven foretold twice by an angel, who at last in sight of both my parents all in flames ascended from off the altar where offering burned why was my breeding ordered and prescribed as of a person separate to God designed for great exploits if I must die betrayed captive and both my eyes put out made of my enemies a scorn and gaze to grind into brazen fetters under task with this having gifted strength O glorious strength, put to labor of the beast, the bast lower than bond slave. Promise was that I should Israel and from Philistine yoke deliver. Ask for the great deliverer now and find him. Eilis in Gaza at the mills with slaves, himself in bonds under Philistine yoke. Samson, blinded and bound, shackled and shamed, stripped of all that he had, was left to grind grain in the prison of the Philistines. Samson the strong had become weak, had been humiliated, devastated, and crushed. But there was more at stake here, more going on than the capture and the humiliation of the man Samson. For the Lord had raised Samson up for a particular reason. Samson had been separate, separated to be a Nazarite unto God, so that as God's servant, the one who called to represent him, Samson might begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. The Philistines were the enemy of God's people, an enemy who threatened not just to overpower the people of Israel, but to overtake them to the point that God's people would disappear as a special people, would no longer exist as the people of our Lord. The Philistines had come by way of the sea and they were a force to be reckoned with. Although we often think and speak about the Flintstones as though they were uncouth, barbaric, bogan-like race of people, they were in fact well-organized and a highly cultured race. They excelled in growing crops, grapes, and olives. Their pottery was exquisite and of high quality. They traded with the surrounding nations. Their city, cities were well-planned and well-fortified, and so they were a cultured force to be reckoned with. And the Philistines served a god named Dagon. Previously, it was assumed that Dagon was a fish god, as the word dag is a word for fish in the Hebrew language. However, there is no evidence to prove that this was the case, 
And most scholars today conclude that Dagon was a god for grain and, or for food. One of the Hebrews were, Hebrew words for grain is Dagon. And if we see Dagon as the god for grain, this links this Dagon to a heathen god that had been worshipped throughout the area for over a thousand years. And this god Dagon was one of the gods that the nation of Israel had begun to serve. Judges 10 verse 6 says, Then the children of Israel began to do evil in the sight of the Lord, and serve the Baals and the Astros, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, and the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the people of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. There was a spiritual battle going on during the days of the judges. Even worse than ending up in the hands of their enemies, God's people were ending up in the hands of their, their enemies' gods, including Dagon. And what reason really, what was, sorry, and what Israel really needed to be delivered from was not so much deliverance from their enemies, but the deliverance from the gods of their enemies. And we need to keep this in mind when we read about the battles that went on in the Old Testament. And we most certainly need to keep this in mind when we consider Samson's last battle, when he pulled down Dagon's temple and died with the Philistines. The battle between God and Dagon, or could we say between God and the devil, was a great battle. A battle in which the Lord showed himself to be the only true God. Samson lived in the time of Eli the priest, and so he was alive when the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. At that time, the Philistines believed that they had won the battle, not just against the people of Israel, but also against Israel's God. And so it says in 1 Samuel 5 verse 2, that they took the Ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and sat it by Dagon. Now at that time, the Lord both afflicted the Philistines with tumors, perhaps the bubonic plague, and he also showed the Philistines that he was greater than Dagon. When the ark was in the temple of Dagon d during the night, the idol of Dagon fell down twice, and its head and hands were broken off. And so the Philistines said in 1 Samuel 5 or 7, the ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for he, his hand is harsh towards us and Dagon, our God. But the Philistines had not given up on their God, Dagon, and now about 20 years later, they thought that they had something to celebrate. Samson had been captured and all praise went to Dagon. Judges 16 verse 23 and 24 says, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice and they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied are dead. Dagon has done it, the people rejoiced. He has defeated our enemy, Samson, the one who had been set apart to Yahweh, the God of Israel. That was not true, of course. Dagon had nothing to do with Samson's capture. Rather, the reason why the Philistines were able to defeat him was because the Lord had left him, as written in Judges 16, verse 20. But Dagon was getting the credit. He was, the great, he was the greatest, and the Philistines were once more champions. And then comes Judges 16, verse 25. So it happened when their hearts were married that they said, 
Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. This was their day. This was their moment. Samson, the destroyer of their land, has been subdued. Glory to the Philistines, glory to Dagon. And the devil laughed. The devil laughed to see Samson, the servant of the Lord, perform for the Philistines. The devil thought that he had won. But had he really won? God was not yet done with Samson, and therefore Samson was not yet done with God. Blinded, shackled, and in prison, Samson finally began to see. He could not see physically, but his eyes were being opened spiritually. Forced to walk in circles, turning a millstone and grinding grain, Samson saw what he had done. And Samson turned to his God. Samson repented, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God saw Samson, and God had mercy on him. And the hair on his head began to grow back after it had been shaven, and with it, the memory that the angel had said even before he was born, that Samson should be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death, Judges 13, verse 7. And now, here he was, taken from prison and brought to Dagon's temple. The Philistines roared, they jeered and they cheered. And the Philistines sang, our God Dagon has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And as they mocked him, and as they jeered him, the Philistines did not only mock him, but his God, the Lord. Samson was still a Nazarite to the Lord. Samson was still the one whom the Lord had set apart as deliverer of Israel. But Samson is mocked, and with Samson, the Lord God is mocked. But that should not and cannot be. We, when we understand what is happening here, how the Lord himself is being mocked by the worshipers of Dagon, then we must cry out as we sing toge sang together in Psalm 94. How long yet will the evildoer exalt and revel in his power? Hear how the wicked boast aloud. Of all their misdeeds, they are proud. They crush your people in their rage, and they oppress your heritage. How long, O Lord, how long, when will we see Dagon's demise? When will we see the devil's destruction? In Judges 16, verse 27, Dagon's temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching Samson perform. But Samson had said to the young boy who was guiding him, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I may lean on them. But when Samson was taken to those pillars, he did not simply lean on them. He prayed and Samson said, O Lord, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson stood in Dagon's temp house and he prayed to the Lord. O Lord God, he prayed. O Lord, the one who is alone is true God. Samson turns to the Lord, the God of the covenant, the God who had set him apart at birth. It was this God whom Samson turned. And Samson prayed, O Lord God, remember me. Remember me, I have sinned. I have turned from following you to follow the evil lusts and desires of my own heart. I have broken my Nazarite vow 
But now I pray that you will still remember me. Now I pray that you will restore to me the joy of your salvation and that I may serve you as a Nazarite just once more. Can you picture that? Can you imagine how Samson felt as he prayed to the Lord, that he prayed that the Lord might turn him once more? Have you been faced with your sin? Having sinned and fallen heavily, have you turned to God in repentance, praying, O Lord, remember me? For this is what God wants. This is the prayer that the Lord is eager to hear. This is the prayer that he is ready to answer. It was with this prayer that Samson showed that he had been freed from the devil's grip and had turned once more to his God. And that is where we see Dagon's demise. His fall, his death, Samson, a child of Israel, once set apart to the Lord, prayed in Dagon's house, O Lord God, remember me. And that brings us to our second point, Israel's deliverance. You may have noticed that Samson prays for revenge for his two eyes, but this is not just a personal prayer for revenge. This is a prayer for the vindication of Israel's God. It is not just Samson being mocked here, not just the leader of Israel, but the Lord. It was not simply Samson being paraded as blind and helpless at the mercy of his oppressors, but Israel and Israel's God. We need to remember the bigger picture of what is going on here, of the struggle between God and Dagon, God and the devil. Yes, between Christ and the Antichrist. Samson's prayer, therefore, was not simply a personal revenge, but it was through his death that the true God might once more be praised. And so, having prayed, Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Flintstones. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord and all of the people who were in it. So the dead he killed at his death were more than he killed in his life. And that was the end of Samson. His brothers, or they could have been his cousins, and all his father's household came down and took him and buried him in the tomb of his father, Manoah. And so Samson died, but it was in his death that Samson had the greatest victory. Samson had turned to the Lord and pleaded with the Lord to return to him. And Samson died so that in his death, Dagon and Dagon's followers might be destroyed. And God's people, Israel, might be, might be delivered. And God's people were delivered, not just from the Philistines, but also from the Philistine gods. It was shortly after the death of Samson that the events of 1 Samuel 7 took place, where it says in verse 2 that all Israel lamented after the Lord. And in 1 Samuel 7, verse 3 and 4, Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away your foreign gods and the astros from among, among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hands of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the bales and the astros and served the Lord only. And then having confessed their sins to the Lord and turned back to him, the Lord had mercy on his people and saved them from their enemy. 
The Philistines were subdued and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. But the importance of Samson's life was the death, sorry, but the importance of Samson's life and death does not end there. There is a reason why Samson's name is listed in Hebrews 11. For the story of Samson calls us to look beyond what took place in those days and to consider the great deliverer, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Samson's death was in a way a shadow or an indication of Jesus' death. Jesus too would be betrayed and handed over to the enemy. Jesus too would be put on public display and mocked. Jesus too would die with his arms outstretched. And just as Samson appeared to have been struck down by his enemies, but then turned to crush them, so our Lord Jesus Christ crushed the head of the serpent, as it says in Colossians 2, verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. But there was even more ways in which Samson was not like Christ. Samson, a sinner, needed a true deliverer, just as we do. And Samson is listed with those others in Hebrews 11, so that we do not overlook, to, that we do not look to him, but that we look to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Who for the joy that was set up before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12, verse 2. And while Samson only began to deliver God's people, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ completed this deliverance. And that is what the story of Samson calls us to consider. As we look at Samson, at his life, at his sin, in one sense, we are surprised that God would use a sinful man such as Samson to begin to deliver his people. But as we looked deeper, we saw that, the end, that in many ways, not only was Samson just like the nation of Israel in his day, but in some ways, Samson was just like us. In our own sin-filled state, not one of us is better than Samson. We need all, we need to repent and we need a savior. But we have such a savior, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And now we are called to look to him, to love him and seek him and serve him. Believe in your savior, Jesus Christ. Ask the Lord for his grace and the Holy Spirit so that you might fight against your sin. Do not play with sin, nor forget the battle in which we are all engaged, but rather let us humble ourselves, repent every day of our sins, and turn to God in Jesus Christ. Sometimes that is hard to do. Sometimes you might feel that your sin is so great that you cannot face God. Sometimes we would rather hide. Hide from God, hide from our elders, hide from our brothers and sisters in Christ. But God will not have you hide. The Lord is not willing that you should die in your sins and then face his wrath. He calls you to turn to him and pray, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. O Lord God, remember me. And we may be sure that just as God remembered Samson, who cried for help in Dagon's temple, so God will remember you. He sent his son to deliver you not from Dagon, but from the devil. And he will save you, and he will deliver you. Amen.